You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser on Bloomberg Radio. You are listening to Bloomberg Business Week, Carol Masser along with Kaylee Lines. And uh, we are watching certainly a storm, uh, Zeta, right? Is that how we say it? Zeta, Zeta. Yeah. I don't know. It's at the end of the alphabet, which tells us just (laughs) how many storms we have seen this year, and especially in the Gulf Coast. I mean, this one is almost a Category 3, and lo and behold, it's barreling towards Louisiana, which has already gotten hit by multiple storms this year, Carol. Yeah, and impacting that coast and that Mm -hmm. environment. It all speaks to climate change, something we've been watching globally. We want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, Our next guest doing some interesting work. They are very involved in renewable diesel, renewable jet fuel, renewable and recycled plastics. Jeremy Bain is president of Nesti US. It's a division of the Finland-based uh, company Nesti. Their ADRs have been on quite a run this year, up more than 50%. He joins us on the phone in Houston, Texas. Jeremy, delighted to have you here with us. How are you? Yes, thank you. Very well. Um, staying at home, staying safe. Well, talk to us a little bit about that. We're going to get into your business in just a moment, but what is your world like uh, amid COVID and what has it been like? Well, it's been it's been it's been a very tough year. Um, not not only for for, for Neste, but uh, for for business in general. Um, and we, as a company, uh, we we have done we have done better than than maybe others. Uh, the renewable space has remained very strong, um, but and all of our employees have now been working from home for at least since the end of March. So we've really had to adjust to this new situation. Right, as so many of us have. As we come out of this, and obviously we are far from out of it, we still have a long way to go, but you make the case Mm. that um, the COVID-19 recovery is really going to need climate change policy. Can you just talk me through that thinking? Well, if we we look at COVID-19, we look at California wildfires. You were mentioning Hurricane Zeta, so this Atlantic hurricane season. They've all been made so much worse by climate change, and it's, it's really costing lives and it's causing massive economic damage. And if we think about it, at the root cause of this climate change is really the burning of fossil fuels. So, so now, as we start thinking about coming out of this really massive economic downturn, we need to put sustainability at the heart of the recovery. And, and if we talk about fossil fuels, one of the, the, the key areas where we see that importance is in transportation. And where it's especially critical is in those hard-to-abate vehicles, those those big rigs, those trucks on the roads, those planes in the skies, those vessels on the seas. These are these are um, industries. These are sectors where the emissions are con- continue to grow, and which is so difficult for us to reduce. So we need to be smart in terms of policy. We need to put a price on carbon uh, that that in, that is technology technology and feedstock neutral, and and have have policies in place that really encourage the use of low-carbon fuels. And, and I'm, I'm actually quite encouraged because it was about this time last year that uh, Neste had the opportunity to testify in Congress. And we are now starting to see really much more talk about renewable fuels in D.C. and the role that it must play in the future for a, a sustainable recovery. Do you think that changes depending on who is in the White House, who is in Congress? Well, I think climate change is is not going away. We, no. we really need to we really need to fight this, and it's it's not it's not only from uh, what happens in Congress. We we also see it from the industries. 
we see the CEOs of companies um, um, who are making these business decisions, they see which direction the market is going. If, if we think about uh, the millennials, the Gen Z, they are now starting to enter the marketplace. They are starting to make those decisions. And for them, the environment, social justice and climate change are mm. important issues. So if you're, if you're a CEO of a company today, you really want to make these choices. And um, regulators, NDC is starting to see that. So I think regardless of who will be in, in the White House um, in, in the next couple of weeks, this becomes an important topic. But Jeremy, I think it does make a difference in that part of Biden's platform is clean energy investment and infrastructure. Couldn't that make a difference in demand for a business like yours? It, it would do. Um, I, I think it, it's clear that the, that the pace of change would be different depending on what policy choice you make. Um, but I think it's the, the, the question about making a policy choice has already been made. Yes, so it, then it's just the speed of implementation and how quickly as a, as, a, as a country, as a society, we can actually start tackling climate change, but also how quickly we can build a new, better, more sustainable economy. With more sustain, but it's more sustainable for the environment, but it's more sustainable for jobs, and it's more sustainable for the economy. You know, so Je- Jeremy, really, you... How, how you're, I'm going to say you're preaching to the choir. Like I am all in on this and I agree with you, but I do feel like, you know, it's funny. My 17 year old said, you know, I think that your generation or even, you know, older generations don't really care because they're not going to be around and they're not going to be in the world that I'm growing up in. And, you know, just talked about climate change in terms of policies. We we talk about it a lot. And listen, there are a lot of companies doing great initiatives uh, and and so on. But I do think just look at the world, we're not moving fast enough. So I'm curious what hopes you have that we pick up the speed when it comes to these policies that take care of our environment. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you, you raise an interesting point about children asking it. My children, uh, they are, they are going to live for decades in, in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's what, what I do also impacts their future. Right, yeah, and it's from, and it's. I think it's from that perspective that we that we even even if we're not going to be around for that long, they will be. What kind of world do we want to leave for future generations? Right. Yeah, so so yes, um, you, you are correct that it, it is important who who comes into the White House, but it's it's really the policy clarity at the end of the day that is going to drive the change, the, and the policy clarity is mm-hmm. going to come from people who vote and people who care. Jeremy, I'm wondering how sticky you think this is. People pay a lot of lip service to it now, but has COVID-19 really brought about a sustained, meaningful push toward better climate policy? I think so. And I think so because um, people, people are at home. People are spending more time thinking about all the times that they were stuck in traffic um, people are looking at what's happening in the in environment around them much more closely than in the past. So yes, I do think this is going to be sticky. Um, it is, and they they want something new. They they want they want to have some hope coming out of this crisis. And I think a sustainable recovery is that hope that we can bring. Jeremy, one thing I want to get into for those who might not be excuse me familiar with what you guys do. I mean, it is about renewable fuels. What specifically? Tell me. 
what the process or what what you do and how that reduces the impact on climate on the climate. Yes, yeah, so Nestle is the is the world's largest producer of renewable fuels, renewable diesel specifically. And what, what is it? It is a fuel. Um, it is a diesel fuel that you can drop into any diesel engine today using all the infrastructure that's available today. But rather than putting new carbon into the atmosphere, it's actually using carbon from the atmosphere. And how is that done? Well, we, we use as feedstocks, um, use cooking oils, animal fats, vegetable oils. And when you think about it, these, um, the, the, the carbon in those fuels actually came from the atmosphere. It's the plants that were converting sunlight and CO2 into oils in their seeds. So we are recycling that carbon. And through the technology that we've developed, we can convert that into renewable diesel, but mm-hmm. we can also use that to make sustainable aviation fuel. We can make that, use that into, into plastics and chemicals. So we can really create a circular economy of carbon um, and, and, that's, and that's something quite unique. So there's no impact on the environment in terms of the process? There is. Yeah, so, so today we can reduce um, the emissions by up to 80% mm-hmm. compared to fossil fuels. Why is it not 100%? Because we still need to transport it. Mm-hmm. And the transportation today is still done with vehicles, in large part, running on fossil fuels. There's also some emissions that come from the, the process itself. But... Nestle's aim is to be production neutral by 2035, so that is further going to reduce it. And as more and more renewables are used in transportation, our fuel becomes more efficient as well in its distribution. So so the aim is really to drive that to as close to 100% reduction as possible. Jeremy, I'm curious what the appetite for renewable diesel is like. Can you just give us a lens into that demand here in the U.S.? Well, a lot of the demand for, for Neste and our, and our competitors is on the West Coast. California started their low-carbon fuel standard nearly, nearly a decade ago, and that, that's what I meant early on in the conversation about policy choices. They put in place a really clear program uh, which, which, is, which has been aiming to reduce uh, the carbon going into the atmosphere. And it's technology neutral, it's vendor neutral, it's feedstock neutral, so everybody can compete in that space. It's mm-hmm. electrification, it's renewable gas, it's renewable diesel. So that's where uh, we see renewable diesel being the most successful in the U.S. today. Well, Jeremy, you mentioned California and electrification. We know California is one of the states that is making a big push toward EVs. I'm wondering, do you see renewable diesel kind of taking hold alongside electrification, or is it eventually going to be a competitor? So California is, is really at the forefront, and we saw recently that they're going to be banning the sale of uh, light-duty internal combustion engines mm-hmm. from 2035. But 2035 for light-duty and 2045 for heavy-duty is still many decades away, and that's just California. And then those, those, those trucks on the roads, those cars on the roads, they will be around for another decade. So we see for years and years and years there's going to be demand for liquid renewable fuels. And, and we are convinced and we already see it that what California has done is also spreading to other states. We're already active in Oregon that has a fuel, clean fuel program. Washington State nearly passed one last year. We see the same thing happening in New York and in other states across the country. So we really believe that renewable liquid fuels have a very long future still ahead of them. 
Yeah, really fascinating uh, in terms of what's going on in this area and to hear about uh, the role of your company and all of this. Uh, Jeremy, I hope you'll come back because I do think um, this is certainly... This is something we talk about a lot here at Bloomberg. Jeremy Baines, he's president of Nesta, and he joins us on the phone from Houston, Texas.